Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome along the first live round of 2024. It's been a while, gentlemen. How are we? Very well. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And we thought it would be a quiet evening just talking about the World Championships a couple of weeks ago. It's all happening, isn't it? Well, there's there's been a bit going on, isn't there? Let's be fair. I don't know what you mean. It's been a busy few, busy week, really, hasn't it? Busy busy few weeks. Uh, Yeah, we'll come on to that in a second. First of all, let's jump straight into the chat room. Uh... A&B Florian, how are we doing? Kieran, Kyle, love the darts is in. Uh, Meerkat, James, how are we doing? Paul, Craig, HGB, Kieran, of course, Lendl is in. Leo, Rebel County, Harry, how are we doing? Uh, yeah, Boyce is at another wedding, or better known, he's going to watch some shitty football game. Yeah. I'll tell you what he's done. He's going to try and watch Man United pull off what could be the biggest shock of the third round if they beat Wigan. <laughs> yeah, it would be quite funny. Uh, how are we doing? Chris James is in. Jamie David says, all right, lads. Yeah, look, it's been, it's been good. It's been a busy day. First day of Q school as well. It doesn't stop there. It's always manic, um, but busy time of year. Right, where would you like to start, gents? Poor. Do we just I mean, jump straight in and go batshit crazy and talk about the last 24 hours, or do we leave it? Um... Last 24 hours is a bit mad, isn't it? And, and what's, what's surprised me the most? It doesn't surprise me that it's happened, because I, I, I try and not be surprised. But I am, I'm, I am a bit surprised at the amount of players, higher-profile players with tour cards who are weighing in on social media about developments of the last 24 hours. Good. It's about bloody time. There's not a huge amount of restraint being shown, and 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 there are a few that are you know getting right stuck in explaining what um you know what 
what's going on and the negative impact that it potentially will have. And I'd hazard a guess to say that the others that haven't weighed in either don't manage their Twitter accounts or are the direct beneficiaries of what is going on. Also, some of them are on holiday. That too. But yeah, I I, I know what, what you mean. Um, yeah, that Ross Smith even said he understands it, but necessarily doesn't agree with it. Um, so let, let's go straight in. The qualification criteria for the European Tour has been changed. And not just a little bit, it has been completely blown apart. They're rewritten, essentially, isn't it? It's a completely new format of, of events. It, it bears no resemblance, really, at all. No, none whatsoever. Um, and look, the European Tour has always been built as the best tour in darts. And look, there's big players that have been missing. Gary Anderson refused, refused to point blank play over the years. We were set to lose a couple of big players. Um that had dropped out of the rank, that dropped out of the top 16 on the Pro Tour Order of Merit, which was your 16 seats. Mm -hmm. And now it just seems that it has been completely rewritten for the elite. Shocked. That's how it feels. It's how the entire sport's gone. It's ridiculous. What, what, it, what it's doing, like, if you if you detach yourself, and I, and I like, detach yourself from ethics... For a moment, which I know isn't isn't it? I mean, it's relatively easy for you to do, Cobb. Um, if you detach yourself, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, but but from a viewer, come out early there, haven't I? Um, for if you did, if you don't think about the impact on players, and and you look at it purely commercial, and all you and, and what you're thinking about is putting on big European tour events that are going to continue to grow and you're going to sell out arenas, stadiums, wherever you want to do that and you want to grow that and sell more tickets, what you are ensuring is that all the biggest and most famous dart players on the planet are playing in all of those events. From a purely commercial point of view, I completely understand, you know, how it, like how and why, but let's not masquerade in the fact that it's remotely close to being fair or equitable or provides opportunities for people to pull their way up. It, it, it makes it harder and harder and harder to pull your way into the upper echelons of the sport and creates a much more north-south divide in the rankings, doesn't it? The problem with it, in, in doing that, even if you just say that, fine, you get all the, the big faces and the big names, the biggest stories from the world of darts over the last 10 years have been from the players that aren't in that position Rob Cross and Barry Lynn at the UK Open. Crossing goes on to dominate the Challenge Tour. A year later, he's a tour card holder and wins a World Championship. Balanchero doesn't have a tour card, goes to the World Championship, is the first woman to ever win a game there. It's global news. Luke Littler, 16 years old, on his way to a tour card, isn't there yet, isn't ranked in there, goes and makes the final on his debut. Every, literally, 95% of all the good stories, good press, good news that comes from this sport comes from the fact that me or you tomorrow or your next door neighbour could rock up and within a year can be champion of the world. It does, but that happens after the, the, the news and the 
clicks and the likes and the follows and all of that comes after the big story. That doesn't sell you tickets. The big story, you know, nobody was buying tickets to at the Palace because Luke Littler was playing that first couple of days. Some people might. It wasn't. It wasn't shifting. You know, a half empty room into a full room, and it wouldn't have done until the thing happened. Then you get the news story. So, well, you're right. It shuts down opportunities for those news stories to emerge. But I think the 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 thinking is clearly must be completely front end on how do we make the actual event itself, you know, as 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 commercial as it can be. And then if some good positive stories come out of it, great. We've still got some qualifiers in there. But, it, it yeah, I, I almost wish they'd all, like, sort of come out and sold it as a rebrand, as a new tour. You know, we've torn up what used to be the European tour. This is the new-look European tour. Rather than trying to masquerade it as, like, oh, it's the European tour with a few tweaks, it's completely different yeah. altogether. Again, going back to your point about the stories coming afterwards... The sport itself has generated three headline makers in six years. Just by allowing its processes to take place. In Rob Cross, world champion on his in his first attempt. Fallon Sherrett, the success of Bo Greaves in the women's series. And then Luke Littler. Right? They are selling tickets. They are going to keep selling tickets. They're going to keep driving up the reach that this sport has. If Michael Van Gerwen playing against Peter Wright 14 times last year wasn't selling enough tickets, then making them play another six times this year isn't going to sell more fucking tickets. I get it. But on, on the ticket front, by the way, I don't, I don't agree with this, but I can see why they're doing it. Chatting to the lads from the PDC, Premier League ticket sales as of the middle of the World Championships, was 30% up on last year. Because darts as a whole had a buzz. I absolutely... Because you can't say it's the players because nobody knows which players it's going to be. You're taking a gamble on four of them, right, which are top-ranked, and even then, one of them changed over the World Championships. From the end of September, we'd all called seven, and those seven... Casuals hadn't. Casuals didn't have a fucking clue. People are still kicking off that Joe Cullen wasn't in. I was one of them. You get my point. Right, five months ago, we in the know, conversations and whatever else, had most of them ticked off. It's still open-ended. The format still sucks. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, sales I'm might be up, but that's because the sport as a whole is on the up. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of the format and whatever, but... They're absolutely not going to sit there and say, oh, they're 30% up because people love seeing a win on a night. No, they don't. But there are still only a handful of players that are commercially viable. And one of them has In been... In their opinion. No, no, they are. The tickets we... are sold. You cannot tell me they're commercially viable if the tickets are sold. You know, they're not, sold. We're not just talking, We're not just talking about... Tickets, we're talking about merch and everything that goes with it. Oh, and they're also, they're also, if like the casual fan, right? So, you know, if I talk to a couple of lads at work about darts and they've been to the Premier League once or twice on a night out, they don't even know what the selection process is. They expect that Peter Wright's going to be there because he's on the Premier yeah, League. Yeah. That's, that, that's the, the expectation thing. is that they go there and they see that bloke with a funny air and he's part of their night out as well. And the, that, is the 
that's the commercialness of, of, of a player like Peter Wright, is yeah. people who, who, who go to darts once every two years with mates from work, they expect to see him. Which I'd yeah. understand if that just applied to the Premier League. And we basically have taken that appeal to the Premier League for the last couple of years. It's not been about who's the best player no, to the point where you've got top pundits and us and the BDC sat there about you've got to tick more boxes, which everybody has bought into and just sort of accepted it now rather than kick off and go, no, actually, we want to see the best players in the most form. There's an argument that four of those players are in the worst form they've been in for the last two years going into the Premier League right now, which is an absolute travesty because they're just going to rock up and throw shit. But but you also know some of those players can go one way or the other as well, don't they? Yeah. You know, some of those players can turn up, and that's where they'll start to click into some form, and then things will start to get interesting as we come out of the other side of that and we head oh, towards yeah. the match play and everything else. But I don't know. I I think you could argue on a couple. I don't think you can argue. You can't argue with top four, can you? Rules is rules. We'll come to the Premier League in a minute. We sort of like digressed from, from the Euros. Oh, I didn't explain my point. That was where I was going. I could understand if we just kept it to the Premier League, right? But with things like the World Series being exactly the same eight players, and now this extension and rule change onto the Euro Tour, it's the same players. The criticism of the format with the Premier League was that we're seeing the same matchups far too often. And they've gone, do you know what? We're going to guarantee they're in every other event as well, so that you see it another 13 times on the Euro Tour another five times in World Series events, and you won't see it streamed on a Pro Tour because they're not going to be there. But again, that comes back to the commercial viability because... I don't care Euro about commercial viability. I want to care about the sport because they're going to run it into the ground, make a quick quid and fuck off. Just listen before you jump off your, your eye horse here, right? Without the commercial viability, the sport at the level that we know it isn't there. With, that's been proved by the WDF that couldn't even get a TV deal. It was on YouTube. So without the commercial viability of the PDC, the sport as we know it at the elite level dies. Hiding behind that one line and enough, mate. It's just not. It is commercially viable because you still get the stories. It is still the top standard of darts in the world. Darts fans want to see it. Casuals want to see it because they're seeing the stories unfold. Not this manufactured, oh, you recognise this green T-shirt. But going back to my point was because you jumped in again that they were on the Euro Tour because of the way the ranking was, they were losing arguably one of the biggest commercial assets in Germany, whether you like it or not, and that's primarily where the Euro Tour is and still is the biggest. The European Tour is the biggest in Germany. They've not whether that whether that's a combination of just the PDC or PDC Europe have had a say in this as well. And those big-time players openly said, I'm not going to the qualifiers. That's fine then. We'll just, we'll, hang on. Let me just phone up Phil Taylor and say you're commercially viable, so you're coming back out to play. Well, well, here's an example. What nonsense. We'll change it for everybody. What, what happens when those players don't go? Does it come further down the order of merit or do we get more qualifiers? I think it'll be like the Pro Tour. They'll just bump people up. Because because you are going to get over the course of the year, aren't you? You're not going to get all 16 every time saying, yep, 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 yep. Just not. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan of the rule change, by the way. But from a business point of view, I can see why they've done it. 
Oh, I, I completely get the logic. It, yeah, you just have to put you have to put some other stuff aside to get behind it. From a business point of view, I fully understand the mechanics of it. Yep, definitely. There's logic there. It's no different to the seniors in a way. There are certain that either. There are certain players on that seniors that the form they're in shouldn't be in TV events. Well, yeah, I agree. So it, it commercially, it the, has to the seniors is into its third year as a product, trying to grow a fan base. The PDC exists and is the biggest darts organization in the world, with the biggest reach of anybody. They have commercial success. They have structure in place. They have the richest TV deal for the sport that it's ever seen. And allowing Phil Taylor, the the greatest player of all time. <laughs> To play in every event for the first three years of its induction is crucial to its success and takeoff. Putting Peter Wright into every World Series event because he's got a fancy coloured haircut, which only works if her, his wife is not ill again, but that's isn't quite the same thing. It is in terms of certain areas of the world, right? If you're a darts fan, right? A, right, that doesn't forget you don't live in England, right? Because we've got it all. Right, if you're in Australia, you get to see the biggest players in the world once a year. Once. Now, who do you want? You want the biggest stars. The biggest the best players playing the yeah. best stars. No, you don't. You, yeah, want you do. The, you want the you don't want right. If if you're telling me if you're a fan in Australia, right, that only gets to see these players once a year, do you want Peter Wright or do you want someone ranked 34 but he's playing well? If they're ranked down 34 and averaging 100 and competitive, then I want them. No, you're you're not you're not right in any fit of his form from this year, apart from when he won the Euros. He's averaged 85 most of the season. He How has is that entertaining? Well, it's all right, it's got a funny walk on that'll entertain me for 30 seconds. Then I'll get slapped up for eight legs. Brilliant, great viewing. I'm glad I spent 40 quid on it. When you go on these tours, it's not just the darts, they have five days of media and meeting the fans and everything like that. Right, what happens when he retires? What happens if four of them retire in the same year? There's an issue. But right yeah, now, nobody have... knows anybody new because all you've ever been exposed to is eight players in the world. Like darts only exist for eight people. Oh God, we can't veer into wrestling already, can we? <laughs> well, there is a reason. There is a reason why Hulk Hogan was was presented in the way he was all over the world for so long, being utterly dreadful as a wrestler, but he sold tickets. People came to see him. People expected to see a great big Hulk Hogan when they went to watch wrestling. And I don't know, can I liken Peter Wright to the Hulk Hogan of wrestling? God, that's, that's a stretch. Really stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, but going back to the original thing, the, the Euro Tour one, I don't agree with it, but commercially I understand it. Do I like it? No. no also, Keith Deller has just tweeted our tweet about it, going, European Tour making sure top players are there, more money in the game, and if you're good enough, you will come through. You won't come through because there's far less opportunities, Keith. The same reason you fucked off from the BDO 30 years ago. Absolute nonsense from former pros peddling it. Yeah, look. Easy. For, if, if Keith Deller was 40 years younger going back on the tour now, I'd be raging. Oh, yeah, look. 
in terms of that, it's killed the opportunities. Because a run at one tournament would not be enough to put him anywhere where he wants to be for a career. No, no, and that and that of it, I, I completely agree that it has killed the opportunity to break the top sixteen, and it's made it even harder. That I completely agree with. And I like I said, the Euro Tour. I don't agree with the decision. We'll come on to the Premier League and World Series shortly. How many were coming through the qualifiers last year? 24. Yeah. So it was? 14 places. Yeah, so we've gone 24 to 10. What a big yeah. fall, that, isn't it? A lot of money. Yeah. And, and we spoke extensively, didn't we? I know we, we had a long chat with John um, when we were in Inkliston about how important those qualifications were to people keeping their cars. Now, to a degree, I, I sort of feel like I mean, yes, you've got almost ten gold tickets there because there's so few of them. Or if you bag one, if you get, if you qualify for two of them, you've kept your card really. Like you, you'll you'll do sound. But there's probably a bit less pressure because there's more people in the same boat, isn't there? You're not getting as many people getting those tickets through to the Europe. So it'd be interesting just to see over the over the course of a year what it does to that two card race um, and how important it is for people coming through those qualifiers. And then to be told that the players that haven't retained their tour cards after two years aren't good enough because they've only made three Euro tours where players in the top 16 have made 26 in two years because they just handed it and gone, oh, yeah, but they must be a better dark player because they've played in 26 Euro tours. Um, the cutoff for the European tour qualification, European champ qualification last year was 16 and a half grand. But just being gifted first round entry for the entire year is 16.2. They've got to find 250 quid. And they're in the European Championships. That's half the field. Well, the other thing as well, this dramatic player without being a top sixteen on the Pro Tour of merit. This dramatically lowers the bar to keep your tour card as well financially, in terms of the money you're gonna to have to hit. That's what I was thinking. It's gonna, isn't it? Yeah. You're just not gonna get anywhere near as many people getting those extra little blasts of cash. Spread around through a lot of people, so it is going to bring down considerably the threshold. And keeping your tour card is going to be more about winning on the floor, winning those thirty tour events. But then that makes it even more important that you're at all thirty of those tour events that are on weekdays that you can't go to work for in your job that you do for the rest of the year because you're on you the cusp of losing table, your tour card. Really yeah, and you're not getting to European tours to earn a bit extra to give your job up. <laughs> Don't worry, though, lads. You get 500 quid for turning up to the UK Open. Maybe. Don't get me started on the UK Open. There's another little bit of darts news for today. Yeah. Where do you think my nearest qualifier is in the northeast of England? Aberdeen. Aberdeen? You're probably not far off, yeah? It's Aberdeen or Chorlton, I think. Charlton, Chester. Yeah. Brilliant. Too far over, yeah. Yeah. Liverpool is the opposite coast. Like, I can see the sea from my house. I've got to go to the other side of the country to the sea there. Like, or Norway, practically. Like, that's that's where I can go. What a joke. Look at anything in the northeast. Uh, by the way, everyone, people that are making really good points in the chat room, I'm starring your questions and we'll come back to them, I promise. There's some really, really good ones in there. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the top players say on it when we get a chance to speak to them. 
Obviously, the same thing they said about midweek. They're about to stick up to the players coming in, are they? It's more money in their back pocket. They can pick and choose even more what they want to go to without having to go through qualifiers. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, so you take a player like Chris Dolby, we'll probably talk about a few times through the course of tonight. Dolby wasn't. I wonder where that is. <laughs> well, he wasn't finding himself in all of those events last year. You know, he missed out on a bunch of those European tours, and that would have had big different, like big effects on his seeding for tournaments towards the back end of the year, various other things. That he he didn't get through quite a few of those qualifiers, wasn't making it to European tour events, therefore isn't in a position on the European tour order of merit, etc., etc. Now finds himself in number fifteen on the order of merit, and I'm going to worry about it, has he? Because he'll be there. And as long as he gets through a couple of games, he'll stay there, like and he'll he'll he'll, he'll be fine. Um, so that you know that it's but and then you sort of look at the unfortunate, and I appreciate there's not much in it, and it will chop and change throughout the season, you know. But the likes of a uh, Ross Smith is probably a good example. Ryan Searle is probably also a good example. Gabriel Clemens, players who would have probably come through fairly regular those qualification. Spot, you know, Ross Smith, you are going to expect to come through probably over 50% of his of those European tour qualification events. Um, and he's, he's, he's had his you know, vastly reduced opportunities in terms of getting through qualification. He's not in that top 16 to qualify automatically. Um, granted, there's only a few hundred quid in it and it'll change, but yeah, there's definitely winners and losers, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so, I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out, the, the Euro Tour. On another announcement today, the prize money for the Pro Tour has gone up again. Mm. Still no money for first-round losers, but that wasn't a really big surprise. Uh, Matt Porter had already said that it's not happening, so that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a surprise. Yeah, I still don't like that, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's not going to change, so we might as well make our peace with it. Yeah. Uh, Chris, yeah, I don't stay at the Hilton, mate. It's too far away from Ali Pali. It's a Premier in 10 minutes away. Um, so, from there, obviously, the first two lineups for the World Series were also announced today and they are just the Premier League lineup in terms of the PDC seeds as if, if you want to call them. Um I feel for for one event I get it but then I also f- feel a little bit sorry for um the players that have just been Basically, canned off. Doby, Cullen, Clayton, just bins. I, I thought they should have been in one of them at least. They're just not commercially viable. Th- that's part of the, part that's of the problem. Crazy. Never going to see them again. Locked in a basement on a pro tour in the middle of Milton Keynes. Um, that's too fair. I mean, they're all, they're all former Premier League players, so the world know who they are, but they're not commercially viable. That's probably the reason. Yeah. Doesn't 
No, I think Doby's a little bit unlucky because I still think he would have been in the Premier League if Luke can have done what he went on to do. Yeah, if he hadn't have gone as deep. If, if, if he'd have gone out the third final. round. Or and the only man... way the tournament unfolded, by the way. Chris yeah. Doby's year to date stats put him 21st. Danny Knopper should have been favourite for that, but blew his first round. You don't have players in better form going into that tournament, such as Bunting, for example, who is just as far outside, but absolutely flying, that also has a social media reach on TikTok and a fan base that are going absolutely mental for him. Doby was only the next pick because he went further than anybody else contending in that World Championship. I don't think the World Championships was just the reason. I thought he had a, a very good Premier League campaign this year. And then they dropped him. The I'm, not, I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm saying it was like, I don't think it's just the World yeah. Championships why he was... He's not done a lot since the Premier League, though, is the issue. He's played well and he seems to... He seems to do well and be quite... Uh, a favourite of the the media seem to like him. Sky like him. You know the, the the various different presenters seem to like him. They see you know he seems to get. They they do a lot of features with him. They seem to be filming him doing something, going somewhere. Like it, it, it does seem to fit in well to that environment more so than other players. I think. He doesn't need eight pints to function. Well, they there's. I mean, there you go. Like you want. I'm not without like without exaggeration. Like take a sober player. Yeah. Never going to drop you in it, is he? No. No, no, exactly. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when when we get a chance to speak to Matt. I think he's on holiday at the moment, so... <laughs> that's a good time to release that information from your others, isn't it? Well, that, that, let's be fair. It's no coincidence, is it, that pretty much everyone's gone on holiday. Quick, let's get it out. Yeah, I'd go on, I'd go on airplane mode, me. <laughs> Cheaper than an actual aeroplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all like drop drop the bomb um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Look, we, this segues into the, the Premier League. Um, first of all, thoughts on the eight? Did they get it right? Nah, it's not, I don't think there's a right... You know, my feelings, it's an exhibition that Sky pay for. It's like me booking an exhibition down the pub. Um, you get what you get who you pay for. If you pay, If you pay the money, you get what you want, don't you? Um, it wouldn't have been my eight, but it's probably six of them. And, and, and you know, I, 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 yeah, it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to get excited about it. I don't know why. I don't know whether I'm just on a bit of a dieting come down and we're still in the middle of Q school and I love Q school. So I think I'm just, that's all my excitement focus at the minute. Um, yeah, no, Andrew Gilding's a bit of a blow. I had more chance of playing in the Premier League than Andrew Gildin. <laughs> no, that's a direct quote from the CEO. Mm. <laughs> Someone definitely should have posted that Fallon was in just as a fishing trip, like just to get, just to just to, just to see what the responses would have been like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is the top. See the top four guaranteed, aren't you? I, I think Aspinall's been a mile away, a million miles away since the match play. Um, nowhere near. I mean, you could just you can say, oh, well, he won the match play, therefore he's in. But winning a TV tournament doesn't get you in these days, you know. But obviously, top four seems to be the rule, and that's yeah. what Matt says. So he gets in, and then realistically, there's only one person in there that isn't the top eight. 
it's relatively easy to defend because you point at the top eight, don't you? And you say, well, we've took arguably the least interesting and commercially viable person in the top eight and replaced them with potentially the most commercially viable player on the planet. So I think it's a relative, it's quite easy to defend those selections because you just point at the order of merit and say, well, it's the top eight. We've swapped one out for the for the guy everyone wants to see. It's kind of Questions in the chat room. I've starred them. We we won't. We'll come back. Comments as well, but yeah, we won't read them out. Uh, what's that? Some very rogue comments as well, Big Johnny. Um, right. For those that haven't, um, they put the little quotes out from the Love the Darts podcast that Matt Porter was on, and he said, "Look, Nathan Aspinall's not played well since then, but basically he was in anyway." Well, he was top four and match play champion. Like the other thing to consider is as much as. The contentious pick in there is Peter Wright, isn't it? Let's be honest. He's fallen like a stone. He was defending a shed load of money and he's had a dreadful season. But he's the only player to have won a major that isn't called Luke Humphreys in the second half of the year. And he's also fake Scottish. And there are two nights in Scotland, which ultimately trumps one night in Newcastle, despite the fact that football isn't a thing in darts, but he gets flags. And that Chris Dorby is actually from the place he claims to be from. Yeah. Not that you're still bitter about the flags, no? Stupid. <laughs> Just out of interest, I know you go in on the flags. Why don't you go in on them allowing to wear Holland shirts in Rotterdam then? I do. It's crap. But orange is also their national colour. So then you get accused of being racist if you tell them they're not allowed. You can't tell them, oh yeah, you can wear orange, but you're not allowed to wear a Netherlands football shirt because you'll just have chaos. Um... Yeah, look, the, the contentious pick is is Peter Wright. And I said it at the World Championships, and I'll say it again. I'm genuinely concerned right now that the Premier League finishes Peter Wright's career. I think it already has. I think the I was going to say, I, I, it, something has to happen. Other, because there are, there are players there who are going to do him, he's going to get whitewashed. Like, because they'll come out quick. And if he's asking about and not quite knowing what he's chucking and when, they'll blow him away. And it can get away from you really quick, the Premier League. That and then there's other stuff going on as well, isn't there? Like, at the same time, it's... Um, yeah, it's going to yeah, be I, an interesting I, one. Because he was the only one not to win a week last year. And right now, it's just... Doesn't look like winning and doesn't look like he knows how to find the answers either. Look, Peter Wright's been incredible for the last 10 years. But right now, he, yeah, genuinely... he hasn't. As a whole. As a whole. Yeah, incredible. but in this tournament specifically, do you know how many times he's made it past into the final four? Two or three. Twice in 10 years for a two-time world champion and a man who has won as many majors as Gary Anderson. The format doesn't suit him, does it, at all? No, because you have to be consistent. And the man is notoriously inconsistent. But also, he hasn't got time to, like, go away and tinker and come back and think about things. Like, he do, he needs to think, doesn't he? He, he needs to, like, work out what he's doing and, and strategize and, and figure out which darts he wants to chuck. And it's so fast, out, quick, bang, done, away, that I just I think he it, it just can't... It's so far away from... Where we see the best of him, that format. There, yeah, I don't think he's a great pick, but yeah, you'll see why they've had to put him in. Yeah, it's 
Um, thoughts on look, the um, Bahrain picks, obviously, they're actually all right. But the way they've worded the Bellalux players was, was interesting. I didn't see that. Tell me what. So they've snuck Dimitri into the Dutch World Series event and then decided that they're not Holland representatives or Netherlands representatives, they're Benelux representatives, which incorporates Guillaume <laughs> and there's one other country in there. I can't remember which one it is. It's yeah, they've had to put someone else in just to get Dimitri yeah. in there. Well, no, Dimitri's the only one. Everyone else is Dutch, right? So they've not then gone, all right, we'll send oh, Mark Dedecker as well, who's in decent form. They've kept the likes of Van der Voort in there. Danny Knopper is a Dutch invite because he hasn't done enough to be one of the eight players. Dirk van Dijvenbode are exactly the same. So despite their ranking, they're then getting handouts to play in a World Series event, but they want Dimmy in there because he speaks five languages and apparently that qualifies you to, to do it. His form was dreadful. So they've yeah, kept yeah. Decker as well. They've kept Jermaine Watermainer in there. They've kept Van der Voort in there. So the Benelux, the Benelux representatives are Dane Oppert, Dimitri Vandenberg, Dirk van Dijvenboda, Raymond van Barneveld, Jan van Veen, Jermaine Watermainer, Vincent van der Voort and Kevin Dutz. Oh, I think that's harsh on Vince, you know. Yeah. He's played some really good stuff this year. With a new tour card, he's done He's done some, he's some really, really good business this year. Um... Yeah, a bit harsh that. But rule number one, isn't it? You know how it works. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the rest of the World Series lineup. The fact that Luke has been given the first two, do we think he gets. The whole World Series? The minute okay, he's, not allowed in. he's not allowed in in Vegas, is he? It's not in Vegas, it's New York. Oh, of Madison Square Garden, it? Yeah, oh, yeah, he might get away there then. The minute you've shown the world that Luke Littler is available to the World Series, every single country that has a World Series is going to want Luke Littler. The same way they did with Fallon. 100%. He's in the lot. The minute, the minute you said he's there and available, everybody's going to demand that he's there and available because he is the hottest ticket in the, in the sport right now. And well, fair play to that. Take the lot. Look, it's... It's interesting, the, the, the dynamics. So that kind of spins us into the world. But there, there's some great points in the chat room. We, we, I've starred them. I promise we'll, we'll come back to them. But... We touched on it earlier. Darts is on this incredible crest of a wave right now because of this 16-year-old generational talent. Look, those that had seen him up close knew he was special. Did you think he was going to produce that on debut at the World Championships in the manner that he did? No. No, no, I didn't. I knew we'd see I knew we'd see a solid performance from him in the first couple of rounds. And I didn't think he was gonna get put off by the occasion. I didn't think he would manage to find it 
that consistently and then continue to not be put off by everything that was going on as it got more and more and more. And it did. It got into every bit of, you know, mainstream media. You know, there wasn't a media outlet that has a sports section that wasn't reporting on it. Um, and they weren't reporting on, you know, it's not, you know, the annual story that the Daily Express does on darts of who's won the world championship. It was like a daily story about what this 16-year-old kid's doing. Um, what he had for dinner, who he's dating, where he goes to school. Like, yeah. And there's a bit of that that I think, time, that like, I think is like shit. And some of it's, some of it's tossed journalism. Like, there's a story today in a news, in, in, so there's a story... And it really pissed me off. Where was it? I don't know if I've got, I think I've clicked off it there. But it was basically big. Oh, yeah. Um, Dart Star speaks out after Luke Littler picked over him to play Premier League. Like, that's the headline. The entire story was just Joe Cullen going, I think it's a good, yeah, I think it's a good pick that. Like, so there's so much of it. Of course he has to be there. He's massive for the sport in the same way that Fallon was three years ago. Oh, oh, and that's the other one. So the the lead story tonight, and I know we're going to speak about the lead story, the lead headline, Fallon Sherrick falls short in attempt to range final stage of pro. We don't understand the fucking format. Like, that's not how it works. Every year. falling short of anything. Do you remember when Menzies got his card and was joking that Fallon's boyfriend was going to get a card as a headline? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But and, and that was the case. And it did get a bit... And, and now, But then I think, oh, do you know... But, and, and it's like, we've had this conversation. We had the conversation at the time, after Gary Anderson's interview, we talked about it quite a lot, as to, you know, the effect that it has on, on him personally as a, as a person, on Luke. But then... But then it's a very different conversation, what it's doing for darts. I have spoken to people about darts this week that I've never spoken to about darts before. You know, people have asked me questions about darts who've never mentioned darts to me ever. Um, and it, 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 there's an awful lot of people switching darts on because of the bollocks news stories that are everywhere. So... Bit of an offset, isn't it? Yeah, and the next time they switch on is going to be for the Masters. And do you know what's funny about that? He's not even in it. No, it's Premier League before the Masters. Oh, yeah. If you've got Sky. Or a dodgy stick. No comment. Don't <laughs> talk about me like that. Um, but look... <laughs> The way Luke played was just incredible, wasn't it? That what, what what he did at the World Championships was was just sensational. That he had no fear at all. Now the Barney game was massive, wasn't? It? I, I thought the Barney game was huge because because it, it is such a you know such a huge name and such an occasion. And, and so many eyes on it, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't look phased at any point. Even when things weren't going his way, he just seemed to get on with it. And it was, um, he was. The, we there was. It, it was a really professional showing all the way through the whole tournament from him. Like the professionalism was really there, and we didn't see that level of professionalism from a lot of far more senior players. 
when do you think the legitimate conversations about Luke for the Premier League started to transpire at the Worlds? Obviously, I know you must have spoken about this at the foot on the fallout and whatever, but I didn't get a chance to listen to a, a, a lot of it because obviously I was still in the venues. When do you think it became a realistic? Hang on a minute. Um, semi-finals, I think. It was when we started properly talking about it. The, you know, people had said it from the first round because sometimes people understand, you know, the commercialization of it and you know and, and whatnot. But I I think the first time I really thought there's a proper solid chance this could happen was the semis. And I think because because we knew Rob Cross was going to be there and because Cross had put Doby out in the quarters, because I, I, I'd had Doby in my sort of provisional eight. And then once we saw Littler go further than Doby, it, it started to swing the balance. Then you looked at the rest of the tournament, who's going to go to oh, Luke Humphreys is there, but we know he's already going to be there. Scott Williams, as much as I, I love the man, showed himself or maybe made people feel that they wouldn't be able to trust him in a in a, in a heightened media environment um and it was it so it was at that semi-final stage having Doby gone out in the quarters that I thought the pendulum swung De definitely swung in terms of right this is definitely on the cards now I think it was being floated about when he beat Barney I think is when people really sat up and gone do you know what? This is this keeps opening up. The contenders keep falling. We know how much they wanted Fallon in after winning just three games, how important she was. Don't get me wrong, the age is an issue, but if he keeps winning and playing at the level he has, because he played decent first round, didn't he? Absolutely blew it away. Yeah. Struggled a little bit past Gilding because yeah. of the pain. And if that had then transpired to be Wade instead of Matt Campbell, perhaps, or, or other players that were a little bit more tactically aware, shall we say, against somebody who was relatively inexperienced in front of TV cameras on stage, don't be wrong, for a 16-year-old, he has more experience than 60% of the tour, which is ridiculous. Um, but if somebody played the game against, it would have been interesting to see how they handled that at that point. But he just kept producing. And that level that he produced against Barney, against somebody who... Played bloody well. Let's not take anything away from that Barney performance, by the way. It was one of the best we've seen from Barney on that stage in a long time. Over that length, because that match was slightly longer and he's still going through it, where the crowd wasn't 100% Luke because it's Barney and he's still got his army of fans and whatever else. And he handled it in, in such a way. That's when it starts being going, there's a chance here. When when players like Barney are talking out, going, right, go and win it now. Crazy. Yeah, right. Obviously, there's a new name on the Sid Waddell trophy as well. And look, he rode his luck early on in the tournament. But the Joe Cullen game was incredible game of darts. Look, Cullen missed a couple of darts. But overall, an incredible game. And from that moment, never looked in any real danger. I'm not sure how many more times I can sit and watch Joe Cullen lose an absolute classic as a starter, by the way. Just just got to put that out there. That Gary Anderson match at the match play. 
that world championship. He just seems to do it all the bloody time. Him and Chris Doby. Look, let's just put that one out there. But yeah, look, road his luck early on. It's scary how similar that run is to Michael Smith's run to the title the year before. Well, Rob Cross as well. Peter, but right? Same round, same nationality of opponent, 3-1 down, brings it back to 4-3, never looks back again. There's quarterfinals onwards, or semifinals, I think it is. If you look at the last two years on Wikipedia, change of names, right, are exactly the same scores in exactly the same positions from players in exactly the same part of the draw. It is staggering how scary, similar Humphrey's run to do it is. And gets over the line to win his first major earlier in the year, changes his mentality completely when he's up on the hockey, looks a different threat, struggles early on with a pressure gun, or maybe this is the time, releases that after beating a German opponent 4-3 from 3-1 down, and then never really looks under threat until the final. Well, the thing is, you can even say the same in the final. Go back to 2013. Michael Van Gogh missed two darts at double 16 to go 5-2 up against Phil Taylor. Taylor came back and won. Luke Littler missed a dart at double two for 5-2. Humphreys come back and won. There were so many similarities. There was. There was was some... There were, it it looked very familiar, didn't it? And and that's and because of the familiarity, I don't know about anyone else, but you almost felt the inevitability with it because because it felt so familiar, and it almost felt like we watched this this process before happen just like this. That it, it did feel inevitable all the way through. I think. But yeah, but you, you, you look at it the the way Luke came into this tournament, he'd won three out of the last four TV tournaments. So he was on that crest of a wave and this is almost what we thought would happen to Michael Smith. But once he won one, the floodgates were open. And I, and I get he won the slam and then went on to win the world. But with Luke, the floodgates literally have opened. He just looks like he's going to win everything. He, he does. And because he, he can start fast as well. The Premier League, he could be really dangerous. Like you're gonna come out, he's gonna like he could be a really dangerous prospect, especially because half of them are in no form whatsoever. So he could be re- he could really bash people up in the Premier League. And then if he gets that confidence and he's doing that on the regular, then like who knows this year? I think it was. I still stand by that. I thought he needed to lose in the. Players' championships to go on. He's 19 games unbeaten now. At some point, that's where he has to go. But I just felt it looked like he was carrying that pressure of winning three out of the last four. Everybody talking him up in those earlier rounds. I think if he hadn't have won in Minehead, he's not favourite for the tournament. He can go under radar a little bit. Some of the players were when when all of the other players are talking him up to see how he copes with it, and he gets away with it two rounds in a row. You know that it, it's not quite right. Look, different player after that. The minute he gets past Petrasco, he just completely freed up. He was absolutely superb. But yeah. the mentality shift has, has just been ridiculous from him. And look, he's going to have that aura around him now because he has won 19 in a row and he has won four out of the last five major tournaments now. And it was ridiculous performance to put him out in the auras, I think. Uh, no, Wadey beat him, didn't he? It wouldn't be a ridiculous performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, up there. Yeah, I agree. That he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I think yeah. the best thing for the rest of the world now 
is even though it is the World Series, is the fact that Luke is so busy with media right now. He doesn't pick up his darts for the week, goes off to Bahrain or wherever it is first, or Netherlands, I'm not sure which way around it is. I guess oh, they'll be praying for Luke. If, if Humphreys goes and wins both of these as well, ridiculous. Good luck stopping him. Look, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be mad. Um, but world number one and world champion is, is something very special from someone that almost walked away from the sport. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I don't think that story's been made enough of it either because the fact that Luke Littler's story is, is so powerful in a 16-year-old being so beyond his years and the awe that the world has had on that. Literally, the fact that Luke was ready to walk away a few years ago, the radical change in lifestyle and, and healthy approach that he's now taken, the fact that he started a family recently, like, he is everything the image in this sport could possibly dream of. And it's it, being overshadowed by a 16-year-old eating kebabs. <laughs> as much, about, yeah, I love he, Luke, but, like, <laughs> and he's, he's a fantastic kid. But the fact that's overshadowing literally the model professional right now. Luke is... Luke, Luke Humphreys is three weeks younger than me. Yeah. He's, in his, he's still got 20 years in the sport if he wants it, given how long we know that some players are pro at the very top level. Steve Beaton's about to retire at 60-odd, for Christ's sake. Which gives him 32 years if he plays to the same age as Steve. He's in great shape, looks after himself, is playing the darts of his absolute life. And is proof that the system works, by the way. Not only did he nearly walk away, he has come through everything. He worked his way up from the Dev Tour, from an era where the JDC didn't really exist yet. So he's done it without the help of that and that earlier stepping stone block. Played his way into the Dev Tour, then is one of the most successful players to ever come off the Dev Tour. Finally wins that World Youth Championship at the last time of asking. Is knocking on the door for a few years realises that's not the right approach and his mentality is wrong and keep asking or saying he should be in the Premier League is wrong. Doesn't get in last year, is rightly devastated. And do you know what he does? He goes and works that bit harder and turns it around for the rest of the year. He is literally the model for them to go, right, we've proven that we know everything. They don't. We've it is a shame. The first half an hour, but... It is a shame that he hasn't got the coverage, the media coverage that he would have done had... You know, Luke Littler being beaten earlier in the tournament, and 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 then he still won. You know, he would have got a lot more. But then, would as many people have watched and seen that footage? Because would they be? Have you, are they interested? You know, I'm not being funny. Like I, um, we we were out in we were in Merseyside, and I, it was a mate. I was in a, a sports bar in, uh, in a hotel, and watched Luke Littler against Barney, and. It was unbelievable. It was like watching a football match in Newcastle. It was pro like the atmosphere was amazing. There's people that had gone in to watch darts and cheer when people hit doubles. Um, you know, it, it was genuine. People got properly passionate about it. It was it was quite special. Some of it. Oh, so I went. I was in Portsmouth obviously for the week because I was doing the Super Series. I went out and watched the semi-finals the night before. And there's an old couple in there that don't understand the format at all. Don't really understand the concept of a set or a sat a table away from me. Absolutely loving the action because of who it is. And then the following night, we went to a, a different pub. A few of us went out instead. There's a few dartboards in there, a few players that play in the league. As a four-year-old running around, I'm telling you now, that's the first time the kid's ever thrown darts because of what he's seeing on the telly. 
and because everybody's gone absolutely mad for it. Mike, my boys are on an hour's practice a day, a pound for every 180. I'm manufacturing talent up here. <laughs> it's an investment in my retirement. I've seen saying Project Littler rather than Project Mbappe starts now. Like, academies yeah. are going absolutely mentors. With Steve Brown last week, they've literally never been so busy. They're inundated with people asking, how do I start academies? Not not how do I get kids into darts. How do I start academies so that we can have 12 more Luke Littlers here, not send my kid and be the only Luke Littler? So we've got it. You know what job I do for, like, yeah, I work in, in schools. I was out for a pint over Christmas with a, a group of probably, I don't know. I was talking at the time to a group of eight or nine head teachers. Every one of them wants a darts club in their school. They all want a darts club after school in their school because let's be honest, like cost hell of a lot less to run than lots of other sports that you could do. They they can teach all sorts of maths. They can, you know, there's, 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 they, people are like properly into it. And they're also looking at a 16 year old, you know, young kids that can get it, do well. Um, yeah, I need to track down some people who'll give us some boards for now. I need to get working on that, but we're, yeah, but it's, it's on the move at the minute and it, it it's dead exciting. For those of us that have, have sort of toiled with it for years, but that it, it it's, you have to be careful though because people can get it, you know people it, it, people can push and pull it in the wrong direction sometimes. So I think people have people have got to be careful what they say yes to, um, and what they roll out and how quickly and how it's done and who's running it and who's doing stuff. But really, really exciting and very, very positive. Well, we've also got to temper the fact that there now are only twelve dark players in the world that are worth anything. So let's not all get carried away. <laughs> Eight. How are we doing, mate? <laughs> Hope you are good, buddy. Um, no, I don't, I've never hit a nine. Best I've done is an 11 darts, 1800. Um, sure. But on, on that, it's interesting to when you see that Luke's board management, as in this is Littler because it involves the academies, is some of the best board management I've ever seen. Yeah. I get confused I sometimes. The, the visit the turn the match. Yeah. But I get confused because that. he does things that I haven't worked. He doesn't know he do. He 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 does things that I haven't worked out yet, and and I find that challenging. It says more about me than it does about him. But it, it's it's but it is refreshing as well. It's refreshing to see a different approach, and 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 let's be honest, sometimes a bit more of an exciting approach to the casual fan, to people who are watching it. But I'm, you know, people haven't seen that many darts thrown at bulls at, at bullseyes than he did in this tournament. He brings the ball into play far more. And the casual fan, like we said, sat in the pub where I was in Merseyside, room full of people watching Luke Little throw darts at a bullseye and everyone jumping off their chairs. It's hard not to love it, isn't it? It's how quickly he's on it as well. Because a lot of people, you can say, right, they're switched on from 301 down, right? They're teeing it up. They're making sure they're trying to get to 170. He's doing that from visit one and two. But he's not afraid to use the 19s that I'm so critical of people doing in that first visit. He loves the 134, granted, but he's not afraid of going and scoring 59 because he also knows it'll just leave 341 in the next visit. Like he's setting up visits to leave 180 to go in. Nobody's thinking that far ahead in the leg. You will not see him leave 342 at all, ever. Go and watch it back. He hasn't left 342 once in the entire tournament because he knows it leaves 162 if he hits a 180 and he cannot leave a finish. Yeah, you have a look how often he's teeing up three, four, one. Yeah, it's it, it's bonkers. Um, one, there's a question about MVG's consistency. We'll come on to that in a second because we can't 
talk about the Wilds and not talk about MBG, that it was a very strange tournament for him. Was brilliant against Bunting and then was horrific against Scott Williams. Like it was literally Jackal and Hyde. I'm not sure it is strange. The yeah, it's the performance that I'd attribute to Gerwin Price in the last year, who has been ridiculous at blowing for opening rounds and then chucks an absolute stinker. But we're not immune to seeing this from Van Gerwen. He's not the Van Gerwen of 2017 anymore. He hasn't been for a long, long time. Don't get me wrong, that is the worst performance we've ever seen from him on this stage. But by quite a distance. But we are not immune to seeing him chuck in a bad performance three or four rounds in. It used to be his opening round. And if you didn't beat him then, you didn't get him and he went on and he, he stayed him in. He's always had one bad performance in him in a tournament, but now he's producing it at more crucial times in the tournament than he was previously when, all right, I've got a qualifier. I know I can go an average 92 and I'll get better. There's also more people now that that can beat him on his B game. You know, for, for large parts of, of his success, he was beating people with his B game and they couldn't beat him and they couldn't get near his B game. And he's not, he can't, he can't, there's too much talent that if he does play his B game, someone will, someone will have him, someone will come at him because the depth of talent is, is too big and too, and too wide. And you get someone like a Scotty Williams who turns up and throws how they can throw. He's not going to get away with his B game. He's, he's just going to get dumped out. And, he, and that's where we, we won't see we won't see the same dominance, I don't think, from... from and I say that almost tongue-in-cheek after a player wins four in a row on the telly. But, you know, that long-term dominance of, of people going into tournaments as heavy odds-on favourites at the beginning of tournaments just won't happen because the depth of talent is too big. And, and, and these things happen too often where the top five, six, seven, eight player chucks their B game in and anyone in the top 16 beats them on their B game. There was for a long time sitting there going, that aura around Michael is is long gone, right? The fact that people were beaten before they even got up on stage. That seemed to be back a little bit. Keen Barry, Richard Veenstra, both not performing or, or not getting a result perhaps in Barry's days to go and pinch a set. But they seem standoffish and a little bit frightened of what Michael can do all of a sudden. Bunting the same, his record against Van Gogh is dreadful. But then you look at the tournament progressing, you're like, how? This is the <laughs> people are looking at this Scott Williams performance going, if only I'd taken the game to him a little bit more 10 years ago, would he have won as much? They must be. Yeah, possibly. But on that, Scotty Williams, what's the tournament he had? Because oh, he's not had the best of years, he, he admits that himself, but. He comes alive on that stage. And I'm all for it. Because I think he's a breath of fresh air on there. Not commercially viable, though. Well, he, not in he, the top he, eight. He, he is and he isn't, isn't he? He, he's, he is commercially viable, potentially. Could do with a pot. Just don't give him a yeah, dark, 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 sponsored by OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, he could, he could, <laughs> hang on. Do they need staff? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need commentators, do they? Not divorced, by the way. Where do I apply? Right? Do we need, do we need, do we need? Dan, Dan's all over the OF. 
Darts after dark. I'm up right. I'm well in for that. I mean, we could do. We could do have that in Teesside. It'd fit right in round here. They'd love that. To be fair, I know he's in the chat room. Me and Mace spoke about darts after dark and some of the things you could do with it. Would be hilarious. Yeah, I'm on board. Resign my job tomorrow. Um, someone said obviously about what does Van Gogh need to change? The throw isn't right at the moment either. The angle of that dart in his hand is an issue because. At the Is moment, it... it points down. When it comes back, it's down, and then the wrist is forcing it. Yeah, it's so a... when he's playing well, the dart is at least parallel or just yeah. pointing up, and then it just arcs through. There's a little twist at the top, isn't there, at the minute, where it's just coming up from the part. He's like pulling it back and pointing it. And then, then it's pointing down, and then the wrist is forcing it through to get it up. When he was playing well the dart was at least parallel or just pointing up. So the follow-through was an arc, where now the wrist is doing the work. Which is an issue, again, because a man who is as hunched over as he is, we we envisage back pain a lot earlier than some of the, the more traditional throwing action pros we've seen down the years. Look, Phil Taylor's finally had an operation last year for a hit, but the man's, what, nearly 60-something. If he's now breaking the wrist as well, that will come with long-term issues. Yeah. Is it is it a coincidence that his main and consistent practice partner is also massively on the slide as well? Or do you not do you not think there's anything in that? Is it just a coincidence? I think I think it's just a coincidence. On on that part of it. But look, Michael's got a good team around him. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll get it right. That I, I certainly, but this is part of the thing about coaching in darts and stuff like that. That we can all see what the technical issue is, but there's still this stigma in and around darts that top players don't want to get involved in it. The other, the other problem for Michael is right. He's lost enough of these world championships. He's gonna. We know. We know what's coming next, right? One of two things: he really he hits more of a slump, or he gets massively fired up. So he goes on a charge up for the rest of the year, and by the time he gets to the world champs, he's put that much effort in on a charge up, aiming for the world champs. He flops it fourth round again. I actually think that this world championship may have sparked something in Michael in terms of. We saw him get the ump because people are talking about other people. Yeah, so he goes and hits a nine dart in a week, but now he's going to focus on that, and that only works for a short amount of time, right? Gary Anderson getting fired up by Wayne Mardle talking lasts for six weeks. I'm going to put some practice in. Took him 18 months to start putting that practice in and get everything <laughs> behind closed doors sorted, and then he found another motivation. That spark from this World Championship is not enough to keep him motivated for an entire year. Because if it was, we'd have seen him respond far more often than he actually has. Three world titles from 14 or 15 attempts now, whatever it is, isn't enough for a player that we want to put in the world's greatest of all time conversation. He's, he's also, you know, he's defending a shit ton of money this year. Like, he's defending this year the match play, the Grand Prix, the Players' Championship Finals, all... all 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wins. There's a quarterfinal of the slam in there as well. Huge amount of defense this year money. If he doesn't go deep in the match play, he's going to get on the slide. Or if he goes and wins the UK Open or something like that, then... Well, if he does something like that, he's all right. But yeah. he's, 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 not, he's not kicking on this year, is he? Moving up the rankings like he was two years ago. Two, like two years, you know, 2022, he, he moved his way up, up, up to the top. Um, and he's defending this year. He's up against it. Yeah, no, I, I remember, mate. That was a that was a really good bit that that, that you did it on the MG, MVG throw. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's interesting. Back back to the worlds. Obviously, an incredible run from Brendan Dolan as well. That again, because of all the other stories, this has sort of like been been lost a little bit. But Brendan Dolan getting to the the quarterfinals is a is a great run from the history maker. It is based on the route he took. He's beaten Anderson, Price, Mansell. <laughs> this is why that play is brutal, though, right? Any other place in the world, we would not be sat going, oh, my God, isn't this brilliant? But the minute it gets a set play, we're like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. He won two of those games by winning less legs than his opponent. Yeah, but then again, that, that's a game, isn't it? That's How do you win? Win? win and then go, oh, weren't you brilliant? <laughs> How is that a thing? It's mental. Oh, we love set play because it's... But do we? That's barmy. Yeah. yeah. The, opening uh, game, the opening game was unbelievable. And because it was so early in the tournament as well, it, it, it did it spark. That was the bit that sparked proper excitement. I think we talked about it on the fallout. Like, we've started now. Like, now, we, now the tournament, we've, we've got those, those proper world championship set play topsy-turvy, pendulum-swinging matches. Um, yeah, the, the Mickey Mantle game was amazing. Yeah, And it's like, let's be honest, it's the first time, last time Brendan got really deep anywhere, players' championship semi-final three years ago. He's done nothing the last two years in terms of quarter-final, semi-final. It is a bit out of the blue. We know we've got he's got some history. He's done some bits in the Grand Prix before, but really, really good. Lovely, like, lovely to see. Nice bloke, Brendan, and... and uh, Really good show. Yeah, oh, c- completely. Um, and his new darts are unreal as well. Have you got them now, have you? Yes. I'm being dead. Stru- I'm being dead good. You know, I'm. I'm being. I've got proper structured, focused practice going on. Um, I've got his shirt as well from the. I've got his Christmas shirt from the 
Mickey Mantle um, game. Ooh, nice little takeaway, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, from that segment of the draw, um, Kelvin Price, for someone that has flattered to deceive this year, was brilliant at times in the Premier League, went on to, to win the World Cup. It's not quite happened, has it? Not at all. Naff, he was. I thought it was interesting when... We sort of skated over a bit when we did the Premier League discussion, but someone asked me for my eight on Twitter before it was announced. And if I was picking, I would have left him out. I get why you can't, right? I get why you can't, because he's Welsh, they won the World Cup, he is a big name, he's won a World Championship recently, and he's still ranked high enough. Does he want it? No. What's that? Has he what? Won the Prem? No, does he want it? Oh, he wants to be there. Yeah, he wants to play in the Prem. For now. But I'm not sure he will three weeks in. Because the effect of having Cardiff fans on his cyber wear off, and he'll go back to saying how it's horrible playing in front of anybody that isn't Welsh. Or does he just want the payday that comes with it? Because I want to play in the Prem just because I want the money. Yeah. Don't get wrong, he had a very good Premier League campaign for the first time ever. He made that final, didn't he? But before that, he'd had four appearances, his best finish was fifth. And he had the year where he had to withdraw. In terms of hit ratio of getting into the top four, it's even worse than Peter Wright. Yeah, but it's just just weird because the game against Dolan, he just didn't look himself either. That, that, that was more the thing, the, the, the girl in price demeanour, that normally when he's up there, he owns the stage. He, he, he almost intimidates people up there, which is I've got no issue with. But that wasn't there against Dolan. It was, he played within himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he it, it just didn't... I don't, it's hard to work out because we sort of know that he has these... Um, you know, the, these, or this complex relationship with the crowd, but I don't think he does. I think he has a complex relationship with his own perception of himself and the crowd and how that dynamic works. So, I don't, you know, it, it's, he sort of created the pantomime baddie and then didn't want it and then seems to get upset that that's still there and that no one's forgot it as quickly as he has. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's just within himself. He doesn't seem to be able to come out and get up for it, even when he bangs something in and gets a bit of a shout going and gets up for it. Um, it's very, it's it's unusual. But I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been upset in any way um, if he was left out. But you know, I think our our friend Jarlath probably ticks all the boxes in his comment where. You know, both he and the PDC like things that make them richer than they are today, tomorrow. And both he and the PDC are better off for him being in there. So he'll be in there. Oh, 100%. Uh, Anthony is in. Hope you are good, mate. It was a pleasure to see you at the Worlds. It was superb to have you over, mate. And hopefully you get over for Blackpool. But always a pleasure. Also, looking at potentially doing a cheeky little... 
impromptu live lounge live from New York. Flying us all over, are you? I was excited. I'll take a day off work. Red eye, Dan. We'll be in there by tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Five hours for me. I can go. I can. That's all right. I can get. I can get over there. Um, just at this stuff. is seems to be right. flat the whole tournament, and part of me thinks that that's got to be on his preparation, right? His averages in first round games this year have been superb. He's lost four times in the second round of a tournament this year. Five times. World Series of Darts final, Masters. Players' Championship Finals, Grand Slam, and the World Match Plays lost in the second round, which means he's either got through the unseeded player or the low-ranked seed, and by the time he reaches another player in the top 16, he has been beaten. He could do with another lockdown, couldn't he? Yeah. But if all the talk and he's going, oh, I genuinely wasn't going to play, I've only decided to play a couple of days and I was going to pull out, surely then he's got his preparation and practice wrong. Because if he genuinely believes that, whether or not us and Van Gogh and everyone else says, no way are you actually pulling out of the tournament. Whether he, if he genuinely believed that and was concerned about coming into the tournament and just getting booed, there's no way he's practised in the right frame of mind to be in a world championship. No quite, way. Quite possibly. Look, it's it, it's an interesting one. A um, couple of the international qualifiers that I want to speak on. One lost his, his opening round game. One won and then went on to lost. But... Alex Spanman and Manlot Lung were incredible for oh, international Hugo. qualifiers. Hugo, Hugo. Oh, I, the only the, my only criticism of Hugo is that the dart shirt that he wore right up to this World Championships <laughs> was a hundred times better than the shirt that he wore. And and like I'd have bought one. If he, do, if he wears that on the TV, I'm straight on. Like, I'm ordering one. I'm having one. I'm ordering a little one for the kids. My other thing, if Darts wants to be commercial, like, for, why, in the name of God, can I still not buy Darts shirts for my kids? Commer like, we keep talking about things being commercially viable. But in, in 2024, I cannot buy Darts shirts that fit my kids. Ridiculous. Anyway, moving back. Yeah, they were mint. They were really good, the pair of them. Exciting, fun. Offered a bit of something different, justified the international qualification process because some of it had been. Let's be honest, the Indian one was a complete fucking car crash. Um, he was a runner-up though; he didn't even qualify outright. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Is the process was a complete car crash, wasn't it? The fact that we didn't get the lad that would have been in there, and then another lad had to come in instead. Um, but no, it was it was refreshing. The, uh, the really really good. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just incredible. Um, on the World Championships, be, be, before we move on, the ticket issue, in terms of, there was literally a splattering of tickets only going on general sale. Is it if that happens? I don't think they'll move it this year, but if that happens again this year, that tickets don't go on general sale. Are they about to move it into the Great Hall? It has to. You definitely just get a few people up there by thinking it might move away from Ali Pali. It definitely is not moving away from Ali Pali. No. No, 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 no. Plans villages right now will That's become I mean. the exhibition. Will become the arena, and where the arena is at the minute will become the fans' village. It has to be bigger than it is. It has to be. It's the World Championships. 
the biggest event of the year. And I know we can't, you know, we're not going to do it in a, you know, stadium. We could do it at St James's Park. To be fair, that'd be that'd be a good fit. But be a way end. But yeah, level seven, you could be up there. <laughs> Fans falling down forty flights of stairs. But but I just think it needs a we need we need a bit more. We definitely need a bit more. Um, doesn't have to be a lot, but it just needs to feel a bit special and and i do think as well you know commercially make more money sell more tickets more people going there is more interest in it than ever and it, and and let's be honest if they get it right if they if they have such an opportunity right now because you've got loads and loads of casual people watching following reading the alerts that come up on social media and twitter and everything else and if they get it right a real opportunity to just kick this on to the next level. Paddy Power have been a massive, massive influence, I think. Huge. I don't think you could find superlatives to really do justice for the impact that you compare the impact Paddy Power had to Kazoo, just specifically on people who know about the Darts World Championships this year to last year. Like, it's, it's a chasm of difference. Um Huge, huge, huge difference. And and therefore, you just need more space. I know Jar's saying, like, it's not easy to get tickets, but it's, it's I'm sorry, it's not hard to get tickets, but it is as soon as they're sold out. Like, there are only a finite amount of tickets in the room, and you make the room 30, 40% bigger, you get 30, 40% more people in there, and you're, you're away, aren't you? You do, which I get. But again, it's they've got to make sure the demand is there to do that for every session, right? If they make the venue like Chris said, needs to go from 3,500 to 5,000. If you do that, you've got to sell 27,000 tickets for it to still look full every time you play darts in there. And if you've got empty seats in a bigger room, it looks worse. It it does, but also, but I think Ali Pali is particularly generous compared to other places that they go in terms of the... the way the rooms, you know, the way you can set that up in terms of your cameras as to where your your blank spots are, if you like. For um, now, that might change with a reconfiguration. I appreciate, yeah, in a different shaped room in the other hall, that might be slightly different. But I just sort of think I can't see a scenario where ninety percent of those sessions you couldn't sell. An extra, you know, an extra one and a half. This is—it's not like you need to sell an extra five thousand tickets. It's an extra one and a half thousand tickets ish per session. Per session. Per session. Which on a midweek afternoon, when you're watching round one ties, and you've got a crap seed that isn't commercially viable. Let's go back to the key word of today's lesson, folks. Write it up on the whiteboard. I don't know if it isn't though. I think the perspective of today. I think it's different. Players right? in the world are commercially viable. I think the worlds are different. I think a Thursday night, you know, a <laughs> Thursday night in April in Leeds, or you know, whatever you're doing for the Premier League, or you know, or, or a November in Wolverhampton on a Tuesday evening or something like that. Like, yeah, you sort of think, oh, yeah, I can understand why no one's gone there. Like, this is it's the World Championships at Ali Pali at Christmas. I, I just, I, I would be. St- Staggered if they couldn't increase the capacity by 35% and sell it comfortably. Well, um, I think it was 
Jamie that asked, yes, the snooker is in the same hall as the darts is. But they only use half of it. So behind the commentary box is an empty space for four practice tables. Yeah. That are all curtained up. You can when you're there as a fan, you can hear players practicing on the table and the ball's going in the pocket behind where the commentary booth is and behind where the studio is. So the studio sits at the end of the table. Behind it is is just tables for practice. Um, players go in and out with the same entry bit down the side. You know when the players leave to go for a, a break, the same players will then come out of that and go left and go and practice. Uh, to be fair, Tom, Paddy Power, again, I can't fault them at all, but they actually paid for a fuckload of taxis, black cabs, to be parked at the bottom of each hill and they were driving people up and down for nothing. Well, we didn't get that when we went, did we, God? We walked. Yeah. I parked um, at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, and I parked in the same place this year, tried to take a shortcut or missed the turning along the path, then thought, oh, I'll just run across the grass. Forgot it was very, very wet and my shoes were caved, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The, the, the other thing as well that, again, this, is, this, this hasn't come from any official source or whatever, but there were a lot of rumours and a lot of people talking about the increase in the World Championship field to 128 this year. More, oh, than, more than I've ever heard. More players that no one knows about on that Monday afternoon session we've just had to find an extra fifteen hundred tickets for. No one's yeah. going to those se- no one's going to those sessions because a particular player's playing. They're going because it's Ali Pali, it's the world championships and it's their Christmas party. And that, that's why they're going. They're not like we you buy your tickets, like we you and I went year before last, didn't we? Like I had the, I had those tickets. I had absolutely no idea who was playing when I bought those tickets. Didn't care. And it was only afterwards, years later, that I go, oh, yeah, Chizzy's playing. Oh, and Gilding's on as well. And this has happened. Oh, and John O'Shea's playing and that. And then you think, oh, I've, I've got a good session. You also equally get your tickets and think, God, that's shit. Like, wouldn't for, that's the session I wouldn't have picked if I'd have had my choice. But that's not – people aren't looking at that. You know, they're not looking at the lineup when they buy their tickets to Ali Pali, are they? They're not, but – Mason's just part of her next two sessions will be added to that. Makes sense. We're talking about an increase to one to eight. At that point, surely we're not going to see the seeded players, the, the top 32 or whatever, playing in round two. Yeah. Not to the extent you'd, we are. Yeah, you'd front load it, wouldn't you? The extra two sessions would go early, so you'd get an extended round one. And they'd come in, everyone else would come in at the same time. How does it break down in terms of number of seeds into number of sessions and the whatever though? I have to sit down with. I have to sharpen my pencil and work that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gavin, thank you very, very much, mate, for that. Most generous. Great to have you in. Glad California is good and massively appreciate your support, mate. Can't thank you enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like I say, nothing nothing official. There was just lots of murmurings. And like May said, Mason's heard an extra two sessions as well. But there was just a lot of chatter around an increase. Two seeds. But then do we get more seeds? Well, then you're going to sell out your extra sessions. It's like, there you go. 
But do you get more? Like, if you're adding 32 more players, where do they go? Because you've got 32 that are already. No, he's done the maths. Then you buy another thirty-two players straight into round two, and then it's sixty-four players seeded. No, you don't need to. Otherwise, you've got ninety-six players that breaks down into forty-eight first-round ties, and then thirty-two left. No, thirty-two. You still you still have thirty-two seeds. You get sixty-four matches in round one, and you'd have two seeds per session. You wouldn't know because you'd have ninety-six players in round one, which would be forty-eight matches. If you're keeping 32 seeds, you'd have 48 matches. Which is 80 players left. There's my pen. This is going to be boring, isn't it? I've done something here, haven't I? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is the worst content anyone's ever put out. Just me struggling on the map. the same number of seeds, then you end up with 96 players in the first round. Which is 48 matches, which leaves 80. Yes, yeah, so your seeds would have to play round one. So you'd have all 128 players in round right. one, straight knockout. That was what I was asking. Do they get a bye straight through? No. So everyone starts at round one and you put two seeds per session. That'd fit. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that, to be fair. Yeah, I prefer that. Yeah, I, I would most prefer that. Two seeds per session is better for the viewing audience at home, better for the those in the stadium, more potential news and interesting things happening with seeds going out in the first round. Um, few extra players in the tournament. I would be 100% up for that. If it, only, if it only costs two extra sessions to bring all the seeds in. Yeah, that's, that's a mint idea. I like that. It wasn't the fact I didn't understand how it breaks down. I wasn't understanding you lot weren't putting the seeds into round two. Stand you muted yourself. Oh, yeah, he's chatting elsewhere. I muted myself because only because... <laughs> I saw your eyes and I was like, oh, he's chatting elsewhere. Yeah, it's only because Anna brought me in a cup of tea and I didn't realise that I've already got something a little got bit... Got a beverage next to you. I've got something a little bit spicy <laughs> going on over here already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Overall, the World Championship I thought was was brilliant from from start to finish. Drama, top quality action. I thought the way they decorated the hall this year, the fan village, everything was just incredible. Yeah. Unreal, really. And like, but and I genuinely think there was so much about it that um, that I thought was just. Growing, you're, you're getting better. You know, I, said, you can't, I don't think you can say enough about the impact that Paddy Power had. That you know that 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 is a huge, huge partnership that that's massive for for the Darts World Championships. I thought the commentary teams were brilliant in terms of how it was presented on on Sky. I think the Sky commentary teams were superb. I continue, and I know I'm blowing smoke because he's in the chat room, but the the I w I worked for most of it and got half of the sessions on Talkspot. Darts on the radio, like it was just the whole thing. I thought was absolutely brilliant this year, and I I hope that the amount of positives that were going on in that 
in that World Championship, spin off into other events throughout the year, into other televised tournaments where we, you know, the, the, it'd be interesting to see, I hope, and you two probably know, if if Glenn's going to carry on through the Premier League um, on Sky, I think that would be a good fit. I'd like to get more darts on the radio because it fits my lifestyle. Um but yeah, it really added, hasn't it? So the more and more they add to that, I think the better, as long as it doesn't clash with stuff. Because I went to listen to it three times during this World Championship, and two of them, there was football and cricket on, so I couldn't find it. Yeah, it pissed me off. I, was, I said there was one, yeah. I, said, I think I was driving. <laughs> I needed it, it wasn't available. Yeah, like, I think I was I was driving it. to, um, kind of where I must have been driving over to Merseyside. I was going, and, and I thought I'd literally got in the car, I'd not even considered that it wouldn't be on. Like, went straight on TalkSport 2, and realise that, oh shit, there's a football match that I don't care in any way about, and I'm going to have to listen to that instead. Um, but yeah, the times that I did take it in, it was it was brilliant. I thought that the Sky commentary was really good. Um, and I just hope it's a it's a positive, isn't it? And I hope it spins out, I, you know, it spins out and into all the other bits of darts that we know and love going on, whether that be the rest of the tour or the seniors or the WDF or the Modus Super Live League, whatever's going on, um, stop it all continues because it was very, very positive. Yeah, that, it was... One more positive from it as well, I've just got to say, with the eyes of the world watching, it says an awful lot when he's gone from doing absolutely nothing and banging on the door consistently for years to calling the world final in full. I thought Dan Dawson was awesome this tournament. Oh, he's a superstar, isn't he? He is. He's an absolute superstar, Dan Dawson. Um, and to, to go on to that commentator conversation as well, because when you've got people like Pike and Stud who have been doing it for an awful long time, and from the outside it feels like they might be heading in similar directions to Russ Bray in the not too distant future, whether that be a year or three or five years, from a spectator's point of view it certainly feels like their interest is waning and that there are ways to get more information to to fans from the outside through the likes of, of Dan. And there are plenty waiting in the wings that can do a similar job in, in Mace and Nico and Glenn, as you said, coming in. Webby's been fantastic since he's joined. You've got the likes of Murph sat on the sideline. I think he did two talk for sessions. He knows more about darts than most of the people in that room. Just, like, just getting those sort of people into these roles now is crucial. And Dan and Mardle on the final in full, not splitting the final, not going, all right, we'll give you John Part and, and Mark Webster for some of it, or we'll give Pike half the final, or, or we'll give Rod Studd half the final. Going, nope, we're going with these two from start to finish. This yeah. is potentially going to be the most watched game of all time, and these are the two we're going with. Speaks volumes. Yeah, massive. I thought, it was, I thought it was really, really good. I always dreamt that we'd hear a Teesside voice commentating on darts on Sky Sports. I just always dreamt it was mine and Norris. <laughs> um, I can confirm that Dazza has got Premier League nuts. Good. Um, so that was that. Also, before we go, the, the the Ballon Dart, as it was called, yes, Luke Humphreys won it. But forget that a second. Again, incredible from Paddy Power. A million pounds donated to prostate cancer, which is incredible. Look, we know that gambling companies get a lot of shit, which I think is unfair. But that is incredible what they've done at this World Championship. I do feel a little bit cheated. I cannot lie. Look, the donation is absolutely fantastic. But to say it's, what was it, 10 grand to 180? A grand to 180, wasn't it? Yeah. 
right? Everybody knew that if they get over the target or they get close, they're going to round it up to a million. Just say if they break the number from last year, we'll round it up to a million. Oh, here's 901. Actually, we're going to give you a million anyway. Just just give us that line. Because now I feel a bit cheated going, oh, yeah, we'll give you a... Oh, actually, no, we'll do it anyway. We all knew what that donation was going to be at the start of it. And it's still fantastic. I just wish they phrased it a little bit better. Yeah, but look, a million pounds to, to prostate cancer is is incredible. Um, but I don't know who the Prem Hospitality is. I know Bobby George has a few of them, but I don't know. He did Nottingham last year. It depends where you're at, doesn't it? Yeah. Was it Nottingham last year, Gobby did? Uh, he certainly does the pre-event stuff in Beer Keller, so I would guess so. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I don't know um, who that was. But yeah, look, the World Championships, absolutely incredible stuff um, from that. So all good. Right, we've done that. We've done that. Uh, Q, there's a couple of questions on Q School today. I've starred a load of them. So let's go back again. Massive thank you to, to Gavin for his donation. We've done the MBG consistency one. Um, yeah, obviously entering into the last year of the Sky deal. So that'll be interesting to see what transpires from from that. I don't think an awful lot is going to change for us, the, the, the public. No, we should be interested to... I think Sky will have to pay more for it. They'll, they'll try and drive it out with a bit of a bidding war, but it's far too valuable and Sky have had far too big a say in darts in the last 30 years to then just give it up. Yeah. You can't sit there and brag about your ratings on it and then I go, oh, actually, next year we're not that bothered about it. Well, I was about to say, the fact that those numbers have been driven, that price has probably gone. It has gone up, but it's also Sky's to go, Right, I, I want to keep this. The zone will have to, will want to punt it, but I just think, look, if the PDC are prepared to sell out for one bottom line fee to start with, fine. But actually, the number of eyes that then go on that product, if the zone take it, will fall massively. Yeah, well, don't rule out TNT and all this as well. They'll be looking at those numbers and going, "Hang on a minute, I want a piece of that pie." Do you think there's a potential that we divide up? For, obviously, we've already got a bit. We've got a two. A, a, you know, a, a two broadcaster split with the big stuff on TV in this country between Sky and ITV. Do you think there's a potential that that gets diluted further and that, you know, we end up with, you know, so many Sky events and so many TNT events and so many with ITV and DAZN have their own thing over there? Or, like, do you think it's, um, do you think it just gets diluted more? And then, and then it becomes a pain in the ass because it ends up like football and that you end up having six different subscriptions in order to watch one sport. I don't think so, personally. I think it will be on one platform and ITV is a free-to-air option. Because that, that's where you start to piss people off, is when, in order to watch it as a fan, you have to have Sky Sports and you have to have BT. Oh, and you need to subscribe to Prime as well. Oh, and you need the DAZN app. Or you need to, like, that's when people do start getting pissed off in it. I, I think it's a straight-up race between DAZN and, and Sky. From talking to Jar, who follows TV rights and whatever else... Um, they've, TNT and Discovery have done their bollocks on other things and are going after NFL rights and I think F1 maybe as well there's a big battle for F1 coming as well really? yeah God um, another question was 
Do we know where the extra tour card has come from? I've got an idea, but nothing official. Or we well, know yeah, an extra tour card. If you follow social media, you might you might realise why certain tour cards might not be able to be <laughs> utilised. <laughs> it's not. There were three players that didn't use their tour card last year. One said he's definitely not giving it back and is still eligible. That lives in the UK. One actually used it in the UK, and the other one doesn't live in the UK and hasn't had a chance to use it yet. And isn't free to walk around his own country. Couldn't log on to make the associate member payment. Elaine <laughs> um, says, uh, you guys shocked any of the players making stage two today? No, not really. Um, no, I was quite pleased. I always keep an eye on the northeast lads. So I was pleased to see Adam Hunt get that slot through Danny Lobby. I don't think anyone's particularly surprised to see Danny Lobby in there. Um, I was particularly pleased. A couple of friends of the show doing particularly well. Jim McEwen right up the top of the leaderboard. Really, really good day from Jim today. Um, the European one, I'll have to admit, I'm not as fair with as many of the players as I am the UK ones um, but no, certainly in, in, in the UK no one's particularly took me too much by surprise and and I think I there think was some real positives of, as well, you know, those that maybe didn't go particularly far, Fallon played really well while she was in, we saw some really good stuff early doors from Alex Spellman um, Alex yeah. Spellman, the first couple of games and again we're just seeing stats and numbers and darts connect Um but we saw some really, really good stuff from Alex Spellman. Gary Blaze looked good as well. Um, it's going to be a really exciting week, I think. Really exciting week. Certainly when the big hitters come in, when the big names come. It's difficult to be surprised by anybody on day one, stage one. You can be surprised by how bad somebody is or they can get a tough draw. I don't think you can be surprised by somebody getting through because Q-School is a lottery and they made the quarters. Ultimately, they didn't go all the way. And there's players that have got tour experience or have played better in the last year, sat waiting for them in stage two as well. If one of the players from today, for instance, where's it gone? Uh, Patrick Linsky, who I don't know an awful lot about it, about at all as a dart player, goes on and wins day one of stage two. That will be a surprise to me to win it outright. But yeah. an unknown, a name that I don't really know coming through four matches to get through outright on to get through to stage two isn't really a surprise. I think no. you get surprises at the end of day three when big names miss out. And I think you get surprise winners outright. Aaron Beanie for one a few years ago is that big story. Yeah, I'll tell you what was nice to see was Darren Beveridge back playing today. Back to back 170. Look, don't get me wrong, that was magic. It was just good to see him back playing again. Back to back 170s from 4 3 down. Against one of his best mates. Brutal. Um, if they're sharing a room, I'll be kicking him out of the balcony. <laughs> um, Andy Hammond at Q School tomorrow. Yeah, I think he's doing the same as Robert Thornton was only playing today. So they're eligible for Challenge Tour and things like that. 
Um, it's a good question, mate. So I don't know. To be fair, Joe, I've got the list in front of me of players that got play that've got cards last year. I can't see what stage it. So the the card winners last year, UK, Aaron Monk, who will have been stage one. Won it outright. Yeah. So these the the, the outright winners were Aaron Monk, Graham Usher, Josh Payne, and Adam Smith Neal. They were the four Usher outright winners. Straight to two because of his challenge tour. No, Graham Usher played stage one. All right. I, I think they were all stage one players, weren't they? I think they were as well. I think, I all, think all the outright ones. And then the list of the list of the of, of the order of merit was Dylan Slevin, Lee Evans, Stephen Burton, Nick Kenny, Keegan Brown, Adam Warner, Graham Hall, Callum Goffin, and Christian Perez. I think there's quite a few stage one players yeah. in there. You know? I think there is as well. I think there's a lot of stage one players in there. Yeah, I think Keegan's the only stage two standout for me off that list. And and again, to be honest, in Europe, your automatic winners, there's a few more stage two winners, I think, in Europe. Your automatic card winners, Jeffrey Sparadans, Corey Cadby, Jeffrey the Swan and Robbie Knops are your four automatic ones. Swan would have been, the Swan would have been stage two. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got, uh, Mike Kyvenhoven, he'd have been stage two, I would have thought. Eight. Then you got Veenstra, who I think stage was stage one. 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 Zonneveld would have been stage two. two. Ruprecht, stage two. No, no. One. stage one. one. Ronnie Hybrex would have been stage one. Uh, Carol Sedlicek, stage two. Challenge tour from the year before, maybe. Jack, Jack Labra, who we know was stage one. Yeah. Then the last three, Daniel Close, Jan Van Veen and Owen Roloffs. Stage two. Van Veen and Roloff for stage two. Still yeah. a lot of stage one players getting across both yeah, yeah. of those events. Uh, over 50%, isn't it? 100%. Definitely over, well over 50%. Yeah. Stage one players. And and I and I do try a bit of that, having success earlier in the week, playing yourself into a bit of form, catching somebody cold. Um, I know there's a few days at it, but Q School's bananas, isn't it? Um, yeah. I want to go and have a look at the list. But if I'm being... Com I don't recall last year's players that fell off into stage two being that. And do you know, when you look, when you roll down a little, that's what I'm trying to just get the record of there is... Who Because when you look a bit further down the record, you know, as to the players that just missed out even, there's still a lot of state. I think Adam Hunt had a card the year before, missed out by a point. Andy Bolton, I think, had a card the year before, missed out by a point. Scott Mitchell missed off by two points. They'll have all... Uh, John, big John Henderson, he was three points away. So there wasn't even a lot of those stage two players that were really close uh, in in big numbers anyway. And I, I do think the quality of players in stage two this year might be that little bit higher. Some of the players we're seeing drop off the tour or, or even get a challenge tour just seem more equipped to go on and get a tour card now. Hendo looks in the form of his life again. Bolton looks solid. Dom Taylor's been steady. Horrell Pilgrim looks better equipped than ever. 
Grundy's been solid on the challenge tour. Scotty Mitchell's dangerous as always. You've got the likes of Crabtree, Jared Cole, Connor Scott's coming off the best form he's had in the last two years as a tour card holder in the last six months. John O'Shea going back again. All right, you look at some players like Ted Evitz, Louis Williams, Joe Mernon, and do you go, well, are they going to come through? Possibly not. Ross Montgomery, Darren Webster, maybe not as strong, but... Who have we got coming in stage two? That isn't the... And again, I apologise if I'm, I've got this wrong. But have we got players coming in stage two that haven't just lost a card? Have we, have we got some dev tour or some challenge tour players challenge coming in? Tour, yeah. yeah. Stage two. Who've, so who, who have we got extra in the mix? I'm just trying to find that. On the Hendo. Hendo. Hendo, Bolton, Dom Taylor, Horrell, Pilgrim, Grundy. Mitchell lost his card the year before. Conan, Cam Crabtree, Jared Cole, Sean Wilkinson, maybe. Yeah, White. Oh, yeah, White is there. I've just, I've just found the list there. Yeah. And then Horvat, Trichol, Lamman, Plazier, Kiss, Biowetsky, Grulich. Bradley Roos, Christopher Tunders, I think Anderson, Rodriguez, Vandenbogard, Zaganski, Janssen, Labanowskis, Van Dongen, Kuchuk, Roman, Hendricks, Vestisia and Mole just lost their card. Yeah. So, um, Wim said 18-13. We don't know. So, it was 17-13, but we haven't had confirmation of where that extra card is going yet. We haven't actually had confirmation of an extra card yet. Have they, did they confirm the split in one of the articles? The split, yeah, but then that extra... Or was it just worked out by people on Twitter going based off these numbers? No, I think they confirmed it was, but then that card has become available. No, see, when they confirm the entry lists, a total of 30 PDC Tour cards will be on offer in final stage. With each of the daily winners in the UK and Europe receiving an automatic tour card. Yeah, I got that. The remaining 22. We are players in the UK and European Q School final stage orders of merit and split on a pro rata basis of participants in each region. I'm sure I read it somewhere that it had been confirmed. Trying to find it. I also can't see the article where it said 31 cards. It was on the PDC website. Um, Tom, the points rule has changed. It's not as it was. I believe the official rule or the official wording will be it is down to the discretion of the referee and tournament director. That gauge is no longer being used. Yeah, I've read both Q School related articles and it does not say 31 in either of them or the exact split. It did say 31 earlier because I read it. So they might have edited that, it. That line's gone. It was 100%. It was in there. Hmm. Interesting. 
Yeah, 100% it was in the article at some point because I actually physically read it. And it, it, that's a bit odd as the tournament is ongoing. You know, like that, that isn't very clear. Well, the, the deadline to purchase your membership is the 4th. So if they've only just found out about it today, they've either given somebody an extended deadline or somebody messed up three days ago. I think you underestimate that lots of people that work in offices came back from their Christmas break today, mate. Yeah, but this office has to have to get this up and running. It is one of their biggest money makers of the year. I was questioned earlier as to why people that average 36 and 40 aren't kicked out after day one. I was like, because four of them a tournament is two grand. Correct. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely believe there at four hundred and seventy-five quid. Mate, there, I genuinely believe there is some. I'm going to call it Q school tourism. There are there. I hundred percent know that there are people who think, and it's probably it probably not. As common, you know, but when you've got the likes of a Raymond Van Barneveld going through a Q school, and people who have got disposable money can think, I've got the opportunity to play in a tournament with him for 450 quid or something. Of course, people are going to go and do it. People just do it for the experience, something to do. I'm, I'm vastly surprised that we've not seen somebody blogging, vlogging it this year, you know, doing that have just paid their 450 quid and then they're doing, you know, content from it. Um, yeah, 100% Q school tourists. There's loads of them. Yeah. Um, should we open up questions on? Don't get me started, Jarleth. We did them earlier, yeah. Pat. When yeah. you were watching the FA Cup draw and Manchester United and that diving rat. Um, yeah, let's open up questions on then, everyone. To be fair, Sam, there was a couple of bits in Night Champions that was edited out, but they were funny on the night. Mm. Oh, the Gezi one was funny. Only gets one phone call a day, Malachi. Can't do the... He uh, <laughs> uses it up on his loved ones. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not, not doing Bahrain. Uh, question, Michael Smith ranked 14 on the year to that order of merit. Odds he's not in the 2025 Premier League, he'll still be in. Yeah. Are there only 12 players exist at the top end? Of Have you not been listening? Do I need to write it up on the whiteboard again? Today's learning objective. Shit, Chris. We all think they're shit. Yeah, we, 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 went, we went from the from the get-go. We, we went early on them. And, yeah, it's not great. Right. 20 minutes of the show, mate. Yeah, not great at all. It just doesn't make any sense. Is the thing. Makes sense from a business point of view. If you're good enough, you'll get there. Will you? 
Oh yeah, but you won't though because you won't get the. You won't, you won't get, get the opportunities the... to get there. I'm exactly. so infuriated by it. It's, it's ridiculous. This this whole attitude: of, if you're good enough, you'll earn enough to earn a living and survive. No, you won't. There's only 128 spots. Over. There's only so much prize money available. Not everybody is suddenly going to be on a hundred grand a year because everybody there is is good enough to be a dart player. That's literally why Q School exists now. It works. The amount of challenge tour players and county players and whatever else out there that can play a similar level, but not as consistently or not on the day like these guys can. There just quite simply is not enough money in the system at the bottom end to support 128 professional dart players. Yet they've made them jump through hoops to put them midweek pro tour, so you virtually have to give up your job. All right, we might now get one to eight in the World Championships, which might mean we'll see another 16 players come from the pro tour. Because you know full well, 16 more will go international. You can't just increase one. It's honest, the, that, the rule change in the Euros, it's as if they've gone... And actually, they've looked at the, the mild criticism that came in last year about the weighting of how important that was and how it was genuinely costing people tour cards. And it, like people have come out and been quite vocal about how heavy that was weighted and how it was having massive impacts. And it's genuine, honestly, like they've looked at it and went, ah, let's fucking go right in. Like, well, it's like they've, they've just thought, right, we'll go in with both feet and properly. It's, it's become almost a like European World Series tour, hasn't it? Like, you've just had your picks of your top players and we're going to sell loads of tickets to events in Europe. Just do a European Premier League. Just do, just do a European Premier League. And take them players out of it and let everyone else go and earn money. Yeah. You're let everyone, let everyone else have a job. You're still going to sell tickets to the darts. Yeah, you just shite. Can't. Absolute shite. I don't get it. The increase in prize money on the Pro Tour is okay. But again, if they keep topping up the top end, all it's going to do is benefit the top players who reach the finals more often. A grand for a win, all right, is now a lot better because you can go to a pro tour, win one game in two days, and you earn a grand, right? That's not bad for two days' work and one game of darts. But you still got to go and get that win. Not everybody, on tour, not everybody on tour can go and win 50% of their games. No. It's not possible. Somebody has to lose somewhere. And at that point, they're not earning 15 grand. Just from yeah, the pro and there tour. are winners and losers on the announcement. And, and, and there are winners and losers, like, you know, towards the top end. You know, if if you're, you know, Joe Cullen, if you're Chris Dorby, like the announcement's absolutely perfect. If you're Dirk Van Dyvenborder, that's a brilliant announcement. Like you, if you're Ryan Searle, Ross Smith, Josh Rock, Gabe Clemens, Martin Schindler, like you're going to be pissed off with that because those players, and I, I'm taking the tour card conversation out again there, those are the players that are going to expect to come through. 50% of those European qualifiers. You know, Martin Schindler, Ryan Searle, Ross Smith, uh, Daryl Gurney. He gets invited to 12 of them because they're all in Germany. Well, but, you know, these are going to be, these are players that are expecting to come through those qualification spots more often than not. I get that there's some peril down the, you know, the, the tour card fight end where you may or may not make it over the line. But some of them lads that would have been in on the regular that's just cost them 20 grand, 30 grand. Real money, that decision. Yeah. yeah. Bob, you make a good point in Andrew Gildin being just 13k off a permanent spot on the Euro Tour because of his world ranking. 
right? But the players that have that ranking in terms of Bunting, Doby, Vandenberg, etc. They're in the first one. They're, they're in the first one. So they're going to gain on it. And they're they're going to make more money. He's got to go and away from it in the unranked Masters and the UK Open. And he's rocking up as a UK Open as defending champ with a target on his back. But that, but but again, that distance, like yes, there's only a you know a small gap in between. But as soon as that first event takes place, the gap's gone already. Mm-hmm. It's already grown because they're not there and they are. And then that happens every single event after that. The gap just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger to this proper north-south divide in the. Uh, and the north-south divide, as we know, starts right at the very top. Everything below Leeds is south. Everything below 16 is bottom. At 21st, Gilding would be in the Pro Tour side of it and therefore seeded. But there's no guaranteed prize money for a seed if it stays the same format, is there? Because they go into round two. Correct. So he'd earn, but not ranking money, whereas the 16 players above him, who aren't in the year-to-date, who aren't in the Pro Tour order of top 16, are entering in round one. And that money's going straight on their rankings. It's crap. How mad is that? If anything, you don't want to be on the Pro Tour top 16 order of merit as a top 16 player in the world? Because you rock up, you play Friday night and you get your money. Or you have to wait till Saturday. And if you lose, you get nothing on your ranking and you you earn, but you've wasted a trip there in terms of ranking money, which is what you're there for. Not for me. That's crazy. How is that right? Anyway, anyway that that announcement has been sandwiched in between an increase in Pro Tours and the UK Open qualifiers. Oh, strategically done, 100%. Yeah. Here's a very bit of good news. We're going to try and bury the bad news. Then Q-School's going to start and you're going to get really excited. And if we still get a negative press... And everybody's saying, oh, we must be a keyboard warrior because we're having negative thoughts about it. Then we're going to give you some more news about some UK for qualifiers. Yeah. That aren't realistic for anyone in civilization to get to. Um, yes, Dan did get his dartboard. I didn't. Did you not? No, it hasn't arrived. We'll talk about that separately. All right. <laughs> no, it hasn't come. Didn't, didn't come. Oh, Either no. that or, like, it's been delivered to next door and Brian and Sheila are having the time of their lives on it. <laughs> like, I, I've been at work or something and next door took it in, but no, it's not showed up at, it's not showed up at Simpson Towers yet. I'll, um, I'll ask Jeff tomorrow. Good man. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on, there. <laughs> um... How many Premier League nights will Luke Littler win? Two. Oh, that I couldn't get it out of my mouth quick enough. Two. Two was going to be my. Um, he's going to win in Newcastle. And I've, that was the question, and we've not done it yet. But and I've asked Phil this a little bit, and I need to ask Chatham, but we're going to go into extended time here as part of it. There is a decision to be made now. We discussed the fact the Premier League's a thing. We discussed the fact Luke's in. We need to discuss opening night. Right, because we've yes. just established that yeah. right now the hottest ticket in darts is Luke Littler. The most watched world championship final of all time a couple of weeks ago, the most watched darts match of all time, the highest watched thing on Sky that isn't football in God knows how long. 
and cricket and whatever else, right? It, it trumps all of that. Brilliant. Opening night, it's tradition for a repeat of the World Championship final. With the eyes of the world on you, are they really going to offer up Luke versus Luke again? No, I wouldn't do that. I'd give Luke Littler Peter Wright and let him stamp, smash him, bash him That's up. exactly my logic. That's what I'd do. If I, because let's be honest, it's not a proper competition; it's an exhibition. Like Correct. that's what that's what it is. So I would put Luke Littler on third against Peter Wright. Yeah, and and that's my logic as well. And because and let Gezi open. It's so crucial that he gets a win early as well, by the way. Because if Luke Littler loses first round for the first three or four weeks, immediately questions are asked about was it too early, have they made the right decision, and pressure and tension builds. And then Matt Porter's got his one line in the Dart Show podcast to fall back on where he goes, Luke said he was ready. Oh, we're sorry. If it doesn't go to plan, which, look, that is the most strategically placed line I've ever seen in my life, by the way. Whether the headlines have been taken out of context a slight bit on Twitter or not, that one line is the most strategically placed line I've ever seen in my life. But do you really run the risk of him losing opening night to the world champion again? Nope. And being on the back foot? I don't think they'll break tradition. I think they'll go with a repeat of the world final. Ugh. Wait a minute, I need to look at this. So. Right. Give me where's a opening point. night? Cardiff. Cardiff. Well, you're not offering him up to Gezi. No chance. Not on your life. Right. So, last year, repeat of the Premier, repeat of the final. The year before, repeat of the final. I'm going to see how long the tradition lasts. So. Are we excluding the 2021 Premier League? We've got it because Gezi wasn't in it because of COVID. Yeah, I was about to say, so... Wait, who did Wade play that night? Wade played Gary Anderson, so it would have been a repeat of the final. Yeah. <laughs> Rob says, did Dan just go and knock on his neighbours? <laughs> just being banging on Brian and Sheila's door. Like, all, I, all I can hear, uh, knocking on the door, I can just hear, dump, dump. <laughs> yeah. 2020, repeat of the final. Repeat of the final. This tradition too long we, for we get it. To, yeah, but is it? Yeah, I. Because the tradition was too long that the defending champ plays over the night in everything, and yet can they I moved it around the after the World Series a few years ago for Michael. Can I make the point that if they change that tradition, the only people that even notice it are right. a handful of darts nerds. And the rest of the world doesn't even have a clue. And as long as they don't, as long as they tell the comms lads not to highlight it, nobody even knows. I'll tell them I'll highlight it. 
You're a keyboard. Well, that's what I would do. I would feed. And it's not licking the butthole of the PDC's mouthpiece. Sounds terrible. I would feed him Peter Wright. It's got to be. I'd they put Gezi on first. Littler struggles. Because the one game that he struggled in the World Championships was against Gildan, who slowed the pace down. You look at the you look at the people that have beat him on a TV major in the last couple of years. Do you know who his other loss was in the PDC last year on the TV stage? Adam Gowlas. Well. Peter Wright slows him now down. I'm very surprised Rob Cross did not do it more, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I'm going through, I'm staying with tradition. But I, I think they are thinking about it more than not. I think they'll have thought about it more than they have in any year previously. Yeah. I do also think you've got a duty of care to protect a 16-year-old kid. In fact, I know you but do. How, and how they've had to write new policies, or they should have had to write new policies in the way yeah. that they conduct their business in order to make sure they're looking after it properly. Uh, they, they, they do need to handle it carefully because and I, and I said it earlier this is such an opportunity such an opportunity Look, and there is so much more potential opportunities going forward if they get it right but they have to get it right can't mess know, it up no I, I agree with you they have got a duty of care but because technically all dark players are self-employed do they have to rewrite policies they do in the terms of so you know if you were running a local football club, yeah, yeah, you were playing under seventeens, you'd need a safeguarding policy and a safeguarding officer, and you'd need people who had particular training to make sure that they could safeguard those people to make sure they weren't being exploited and to make sure that various other different things. And you have a duty not only to do that but to train other members of your staff, regardless of whether that's volunteers, you've got kids volunteering, not paid, not employees, anything else. You you have a duty, um, you know, when you've got people under 18. The interesting the thing is, in the UK now, you are supposed to be in some sort of education until you're 18. Now, they changed the rules a few years back. So whereas we all, you know, finished school at 16 and tossed it off for a bit and didn't go, turn up to do our A-levels and whatever. You so. You are. I am. Um, it ruined <laughs> me. Look at me. <laughs> I am. The, uh, I went but, to uni for four years and don't have a degree, but I definitely did not bunk it off after the age of 16. No, but but they, but but there is a responsibility, and I say up, certainly up until he turns 18, um, the, and that responsibility is, you know, falls on both him and his family and whatever he's doing that isn't education. Um, you know, to make sure that A, he's looked after properly um, and, and and B, you know, people are doing all the, the right legislative stuff to make sure that uh, they're ticking all their own boxes as well. I'm sure they are. You've just got to tread carefully. It's a, it's an, an, And it's new ground for them at this level with this amount of scrutiny on it. You know, I understand that they've got all sorts of different systems in for youth darts and the dev tour and everything else, but they will never be as highly scrutinized. There will never be anything as public as this currently is. 
that they've done before with someone of that age under 18. And it only takes one photograph of something not being as it should be before it, the, the house of cows falls really quickly. And social media. Oh, really yeah. quickly. Don't worry, those pictures will never see the light of day from... We all know stuff is very, very well edited. It is, but it only takes what. But it only takes the wrong person in the wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wrong, you put the wrong person in in the wrong room, and they snap yeah. a picture, and it's and, and you lost control, haven't you? And that's yeah. what I mean. Like he's he's got to be looked after properly. Completely. Well, everyone, I have thoroughly enjoyed our first live lounge back for twenty twenty four. It has been an absolute blast. I know Mace is in the, the chat room as well, and. Thank you for everyone that watched and came along to the Live Lounge Live. We are going to try, we're not committing to, but we're going to try and do four a year, quarterly. We're going to try. However, there is one already in the diary. Oh, it's in. It's black in pen. Not even in pencil, I wrote it in pen. Fucking palm, all lad. No, we'll be doing a Live Lounge Live on Saturday the 6th of July. Which is barbecue season, isn't it? It's, so it is going to be beers and barbecue live lounge. Um, more details to follow, but that one is in the diary. And it will be a bit of a match play preview. Beers, barbecue. I fucking can't wait. Up in sunny Teesside as well. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be class. Yeah, 100. Camels, barbecue. Loads of dartboards. Yeah, I'm I'm buzzing for it. Genuinely am. Um, but we have been online darts. Thank you very much for your continued support. We'll be back next week um, where we will know the tour lineup for 2024, which will be good. Um, of course, our coverage of Q School continues tomorrow from 10 p.m. 10 p.m., 10 a.m. even. 10 p.m. it'll be done. 10 a.m. for another day of darting delights. Cannot wait for that. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Remember, I did say if we get to 35k subs by the end of Q School... I will give away my framed, match-worn Dimitri Vandenberg shirt from the Grand Slam in 2018. So you know what to do. If you haven't yet, make sure you like and subscribe. But I've been Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Dan Simpson, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.